Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn and welcome to the Rugger Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen where we once again build up to the next Sunderland fixture which this weekend takes us to Central Bank to take on last season's playoff finalists Lincoln City and to bring us up to speed with all the latest at Lincoln we're privileged to have the company of the former Crystal Palace, Southend United and of course Lincoln City defender and now summariser for BBC Radio Lincolnshire Mark Horn. Hello, Mark. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad. Thanks for joining us. How are you keeping? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to Saturday's game. Yeah, well, yeah, Sunderland could go either way, but we'll we'll get into that as yeah. we go along. <laughs> Definitely. But before we get into to all things Lincoln, we don't often get the chance to speak about a playing career on our preview because it's usually local journalists and how they follow the club and, and all that sort of stuff. So I thought uh, we'll touch on that quickly first, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. I noticed you you started out at uh, Crystal Palace in the kind of late 80s under Steve Koppel. And, you know, as soon as I think of that, because I'm, I'm of a certain age, I'd rather not uh, say it, but I'm of a certain <laughs> age. But but for me, the, the kind of names just roll off the tongue, you know, of that period at, at Crystal Palace. I mean, obviously, you know, the Egan Wrights, Gareth Southgate, Mark Bright, John Salago, Alan Pardew, and quite a few of them actually came through at Crystal Palace at that time. And I mentioned... Steve Koppel, who did an incredible job at uh, at Crystal Palace at that time. So, I mean, that, that must have been some apprenticeship to come through there at that, in that period. It was, yeah. I, I left school. I literally had about three days of the summer holidays having left school and went straight into being an apprentice at Palace. So I went from being, you know, a, a school kid, basically, to then being thrown in. And there's Steve Koppel and, you know, <laughs> Jim Cannon, who was a, a big player. and Well, one of, well, he's probably the biggest legend, I to say, at Crystal Palace. And so, yeah, so I went from being a school kid playing in the Surrey County football team to then playing at Palace. And my first job, uh, God, God bless Maurice Jewett, who was the groundsman who sadly passed away recently, but he, he gave me a paintbrush and, and we had to creosote the training ground. And the training ground at Mitchum was horrendous. It was horrendous. It's, I mean, they've got a multi-million pound complex at Palace now, but the Mitchum training ground was literally... So my first day, shorts and T-shirt, was with a paintbrush and career. So there you go, <laughs> painting outside of the training ground. So they, that that was that was my first job. So nice to meet you, Steve Koppel, but off I go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, some massive names there. I didn't quite go the way I wanted it to. Uh, I got myself into the first team. And then, you know, a lot of people talk about mental strength side of football. I struggled with that as a young player. I had little bags of ability, 
You know, Steve Koppel was always bigging me up, but then it just didn't happen. I got into the first team and then he would leave me out uh, and then I couldn't cope with that emotionally. Uh, and then I struggled just to get myself going. And then after about four or five years, I, I left. And, and so some regrets, but a brilliant upbringing. Let's say leaving school, Chris, straight into that environment. Wow. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, and then you had obviously Richard Shaw, John Salako, Gareth Southgate. Mm. I mean, Andy Woodman to a a degree. He was obviously the goalkeeping coach at Newcastle and uh, is now manager at Bromley. So we had some real characters and some real fun times within the dressing room as well as on the pitch. Yeah, and, and actually you, t- you talk about that, you know, going out of school straight into that environment. And I talk to, you know, we, we do a lot of interviews with, with players. Well, from my point of view, it, it's kind of my era. So I like talking to players of that era. But football's changed so much. And I mean, a lot of it, you know, 99% of it, obviously, for the better. But I mean, what's your take on the environment that you came through in compared to how it is now for young players? Do you think, on the whole, that it was an environment that we should leave behind? Or do you think there was elements of that that made footballers? Oh, cool. Good question. Uh, I think there's elements of it that would probably would have stood me in good stead throughout my my life not just football I think I think it gave me some a reality check some of the jobs we had to do I mean you you probably couldn't get away with some of the stuff that we had to do nowadays Uh, but certainly I think when I look at under 18s levels now uh, the under 23s level I just you know, some of these youngsters, even in in the youth team and the reserves, if they turn professional, they're earning good money, really good money. And I just think sometimes there isn't that grounding. So when that doesn't actually happen for them, similar to me, but I think it's, I would say a degree, it's probably harsher for, for young lads now because they have that money, that adulation, and all of a sudden that is taken away. Whereas I, I had a good grounding. I think I had a good grounding that, that got me into a mentality that nothing's going to come easy. You know, you're going to have to work to get to where the Jim Cannons, the Ian Wrights were and stuff like that. And and I nearly got there to a degree. But if I don't, if I think, you know, if I think I'd, I was given too much too early, I don't know how that would have gone. So, you know, it does shape you. But I think, mm. I, I agree, a lot of it now is, is for the better. It is, you know, God, we used to clean toilets out, uh, <laughs> cleaning boots, the 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 harsh environment, the 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 Mickey taking and a banter, you couldn't get away with now. You you just you just can't. You know you, there'll be lawsuits all over the place, and you know, but it, it just it was a different era, a different environment. And although yes, I think some elements of that, Chris, would stand some of these younger players in good stead. Now I, I think it has changed for the better. If I'm if I'm honest, yeah. And and like you said, I mean, I think you played kind of eight league games for Palace. Um, you left around 1989-90, which was I think around the time of that kind of epic FA Cup final with with Manchester United. By the end, was it a wrench to leave Palace, or was it then where you just thought if you wanted to have regular first team football, you just needed to leave? Yeah, it came to the point where I played away at Bristol City, uh, and this just shows you how precarious being a professional footballer as a youngster can be that I, I remember being selected we played in a coca-cola cup then as it was away at bristol city palace were on a good run of form we were playing a bristol city side that were struggling a little bit i think they were the league below us so you know it was a game that we should have gone and won i was playing left back and, and morris bless him the, the groundsman who used to pack all the kit didn't pack my match boots so basically all i had was my training boots and they were muddy, they were horrible, they were filthy. They weren't my match boots. 
And I know that sounds silly, but I then struggled mentally to cope with that going into the game. We got beat 4-1. I had an absolute, you know, I had an awful game, awful game. And a lad called Ralph Milne actually scored a hat-trick against me and actually got a move to Manchester United. The following couple of days in the press, basically Steve Koppel said that Mark Hone will never play for Crystal Palace again. So I knew my time was up. So he's a 19-year-old lad, having had a bad game, it went in the local press and Steve Koppel basically threw me under the bus, put it bluntly. Mm. So I knew it was coming to an end. I made a decision then to go into non-league at Welling United. I could have stuck it out and maybe should have stuck it out for a professional club to come in and get me. But having said that, I had a great time at Welling United. So I can't not regret that decision. But, you know, in the days where we didn't have agents, Chris, I didn't have an agent. You know, I had a, I had a young lad at the time, a young son, David, and money was important. It was important. So basically, Welling offered me similar money to what I was getting at Palace, plus a, a sign-on fee. You know, so it was... I had to do it. I basically had to do it. So it's, it's just interesting. I should write a book. I really should because of, of, all, of all the, you know, I think at Gareth Southgate, Gareth, when he first came to Palace as a, an apprentice, couldn't trap a bag of cement. He was hopeless, absolutely hopeless. And I used to play centre-half, used to play right-back. And I'm just thinking, this this lad can't play. He literally cannot play. But Alan Smith, who was the youth team manager, liked him, liked his mentality, and he just got better and better and better and by the time he was 19, about three or four years later, he was captain of the first team at Palace as a 19-year-old. So that just shows you how delicate it is and how, you know, if your face fits, you know, if you improve, if you work hard, you, you can make it. So there's the difference between me and Gareth Southgate. It happens. But it is incredible, that mental side of things, how much those small things have an impact. I remember there was a story with uh, Bobby Robson and Paul Gascoigne where Paul Gascoigne was sitting there thinking, you know, he was telling Bobby Robson his, his shorts were too tight and he couldn't play because his shorts were too tight. Bobby Robson went out the back, put the same shorts in an open bag and pretended to open them, gave him the same shorts and Paul Gascoigne thought they were great and he went out and had there a you go. So, It's just the it, little things that the yeah. emotionally that, that players can suffer with and struggle with and it does mm. affect them. So, you know, the players at the top level don't have that softness emotionally. They, they're able just to focus and they have that real hard mentality that nothing you know, I look at Roy Keane he's still got it now you look, listen to his punditry he's got it there you can just sense it can't you that it's like he could still play now and do a job I'm sure he could because mentally he would approach the game as he would do yeah. 15 years ago we experienced it when he was manager I think I think we all felt well it, yeah remember? obviously clearly you had first hand experience of it but yeah and then you went on you found yourself at uh, back in the football league at Southend United um, that was the, the mid 1990s and it was at Southend where you played your four games against Sunderland between 1994 and early 1996. You won one of those, the first one in October 1994, and then you lost the other three. Uh, two yep. of those were at Roker Park. So just wondering if you got any memories of those games or, or playing yeah, at Roker Park? I definitely got one. I remember that. I remember winning 1-0 there and you battered us, to put it bluntly. Uh, <laughs> absolutely battered us. And we, we scored probably, we had a couple of attacks and scored. I think a lad called Andy Thompson may have scored. I'm not yeah. entirely sure yeah. if that's correct. It did after sixteen minutes. Yeah, but and we just held on basically. They you hit the post. We had I had a couple of clearances off the line, but one thing I do remember from that game was the Roker part. Obviously, is it well end? Is it the the big big? Yeah, the full end behind the goal. The full, yeah. yeah, the full. Yeah, so I remember doing a great overlapping run. I was playing right back. Great overlapping run. 
literally the ball was going to run out so i've got i've got to try and get my foot round it so i'm going to have to fall over as i'm doing it so i'm going to have to you know i was at full tilt anyway as i planted my left foot it's just towed the ball so of course as my right foot's come through i've missed the ball completely fallen flat on my backside <laughs> in front of all you lot <laughs> oh, I, I, I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. I mean, honestly, it's one of the most embarrassing things I think that's happened to me on a football pitch. And I've had, I've had a few, trust me. But certainly in front of the full well ended there, I was just like, and you could hear the crowd as well. Just It was like a, thousands of people laughing at me. <laughs> so, but I had the last laugh because we won 1-0. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. pros and cons and all that. But no, I, I don't really remember the games at Roots Hall. Uh, I just remember the atmosphere at Roker Park being absolutely brilliant. I do remember that. I just remember, you know, when when you were on top and when Sunderland were playing well, just the atmosphere. It was almost like it was closing in on you. It was getting that intense. So, yeah, I I remember the Sunderland games. And great, great, you know, that that one game where we won 1-0 was a great memory. Sorry to all you Sunderland fans, but (laughs) at least I gave you a laugh during the game. There is that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people talked about that in the in the pub over a pint after. Um, I'm sure they did. Yeah, there were some good players in in the, those South End sides. I was looking there. Uh, Chris Powell was in there. Keith Dublin. Yeah. You know, Ricky Otto. He had uh, he had some good good players there. Uh, Mike Marsh yeah, was in there towards the end, and there was some you know that that names I recognise from from back in the day. But I noticed as well. I mean, in terms of managers, you, you played under Peter Taylor in what I think was his first managerial role in the Football League. And then that was followed by Ronnie Whelan, who you played alongside as well. He was player manager, I think, at, yep. at one point. Um, so what what were those two like to play for? Peter Taylor was great. I, I love Peter Taylor. His coaching, his his training sessions uh, were just really, really good. <laughs> for me, as a manager, he was great because he, he bought me from, from Welling, where I'd obviously left Palace to go to Welling, bought me alongside Colin Murphy, who's actually lives in Lincoln, he he's goes to the Lincoln Games. So I still catch up with Colin. Uh, but, but I haven't seen Peter for a little while. But no, Peter Taylor was great. Loved his, loved his training sessions. Just as a manager, it hasn't worked out for him in various roles. But he did give David Beckham captaincy of England. So I suppose, you know, he, he left some kind of legacy as a manager. Yeah. But, but no, Peter was great. And then we had Peter got sacked. We were struggling towards the back end of that first season. And Peter Taylor got sacked. And Steve Thompson came in. Uh, and managed to get us out of relegation. I, you know, I still do punditry with Steve. Steve's part of the BBC Radio Lincolnshire team. Uh, he lives up here. Uh, but then, obviously, come that summer, he decided to go to Notts County, and then Ronnie Williams stepped up. And now Ronnie, great player, great bloke. He just didn't like me as a player. He, he just, I, I didn't play many games under him. I struggled in the second part, of, uh, second season there at South End. He sort of got Mike Marsh in and he got a few other people, players in that he kind of knew uh, and it just didn't work out for me. Nothing against Ronnie for that. You know, great lad, great bloke, great player. Even when he was 35 and struggling with his knees, he could still see he could play. But yeah, it just didn't quite work out for that second season. And then before deadline day, I think in March, I'd agreed a deal with Peterborough, uh, but that that fell through because the two clubs couldn't agree a fee. 
and then I left on a free transfer at the end of that season, and obviously went to Lincoln. Well, I mean, let's let's uh, kind of get onto Lincoln and uh, and the present day, because I'm sure people are wondering where the preview is now. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I, I can talk because people can tell. <laughs> but but just quickly, I mean, how long have you been covering Lincoln for BBC Lincolnshire? Uh, oh, about five years now. Uh, I do a lot of the local teams. I do games with Trinity, who play in the Northern Premier League, and Boston United, who do the uh, in the National League North. Uh, but the last Two seasons, I've started to do more Lincoln City games as a as punditry, uh, do the summarising, uh, and hopefully that's going to continue. Uh, we'll wait and see with that. Obviously, close season, we'll see what goes on and what the powers to be within the radio station will decide what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. Uh, but no, I've done about five years and I, I really enjoy it. It keeps my hand in. I tried management once, didn't like it, couldn't cope with uh, the politics of football clubs, shall we say? Yeah. So I've done it about five years now and really enjoy it. So actually, five years that you've seen pretty much that consistent, almost epic rise of, uh, of Lincoln City. I mean, it was yeah. only 2016, 2017, they were playing in the National League. So how has that been to, to follow Lincoln just on that rise from, you know, National League almost to the Championship? It's, it's a bit of a roller coaster, you know, 10 years. My, my son. Uh, played for Lincoln and was involved in the relegation from League Two into the into the National League. Uh, so that I had to go through that with my son, which wasn't great, I have to be honest. But then the next three or four years, we just ended up in no man's land. We were National League. I don't think we finished in the top 10 in the two or three seasons. And then all of a sudden, Danny and Nicky Cowley came in. They took a chance on them. Uh, they were doing really well uh, in, in, in the National League. And they just took a chance. They took a chance. Danny and Nicky decided they were going to go full-time, so the wages were good. And that's how that basically Lincoln City's revolution, shall we say, started with the Cowley brothers, uh, who are now at Portsmouth. Just got them going, knew how to play, knew how to get out of the league. So that's the rise we've been on, really. And it's kind of only the last, this season, it's plateaued a little bit, shall we say. The rest of it's just been one just roller coaster but a, a, a positive roller coaster should we say yeah yeah absolutely incredible rise you know almost you know <laughs> yeah. game away from the championship which is incredible to, to think about where they are yeah as i said um at the beginning and as we well unfortunately from our point of view experienced last term you know when we were beaten <laughs> yeah. in the semi-final of the playoffs that's last a nervous season. laugh that's a nervous laugh <laughs> <laughs> i mean lincoln were playoff finalists in league one last year and as we said considering Lincoln were in the National League, you know, five years ago. That that's some achievement just in itself. But I mean, last season, I mean, was it just one of the those years where everything just fell into place for them? I think we, I think it was still on a, on a crest of a wave from everything else that got on. So there was still that right. momentum that we had. We also had, dare I say, Brennan Johnson, who's absolutely tearing it up for Nottingham Forest in the Championship and has has been touted to go to the to the Premier League at some point. Now, you know, I, I'm lucky enough with the former players association at Lincoln that I don't have to get buy tickets uh, and obviously with the radio I can get in but he's one player I would have paid money to go and watch at Lincoln uh, unfortunately obviously he had to go back to Nottingham Forest at the end of last season but he was a fantastic player and then we had Morgan Rogers as well on loan from Manchester City you know another wide player so when we talk about the transition of possession in football you know those two players would take Lincoln City 30, 40 yards up the pitch in an instant. They were that good. And and every time they were able, were given space, they would go and hurt teams. And I think that's not happened this season. And we've just become very, very inconsistent in results and performances. 
And I think that's why we've struggled this season. Uh, we've not possibly recruited as well or not had the luck in the recruitment in the loan market that we had. So I just think the recruitment's been difficult because the loan players haven't quite come off as much as I thought they would do. So, yeah, it's been a difficult season. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it hasn't quite gone to plan this year. But um, but if we kind of go back to the summer, obviously after being beaten in that, that playoff final, I mean, has that struggle this time around? Has it been a bit of a shock to the system for the fans or was there a little bit of an expectation it was going to be tougher this season? I think there was I think there was an expectation it was going to be tougher, but I didn't expect, or I don't think the fans expected it to be as tough as it has been. You know, we, we, there's been a couple of poor results uh, a couple of months ago and the fans on social media uh, were literally calling for Michael Appleton's head. They, they wanted him sacked. Uh, that was a little bit premature for me, but that's just my opinion. Uh, but certainly the results and the performances were very, very indifferent. Uh, and we saw it again on Tuesday night when we played Rotherham. First half, we were absolutely awful. Uh, we had no intensity. We couldn't pass the ball. We basically got bullied by a very good Rotherham side, by the way. But then second half, we put Rotherham on the back foot. So, you know, the old cliche of a game of two halves, it really was watching two totally different teams. Same personnel, mm. but just to two totally different teams. And I think Sunderland coming down to... I mean, if Lincoln turn up, then you've got a game on. If Lincoln have 45 minutes like they did against Rotherham, you'll beat us. I think that's yeah. the way I can describe it. So if you're a Sunderland fan coming down to the game, <laughs> I think it's more what Lincoln City do than it is Sunderland. Because if mm. Lincoln City don't yeah. turn up, you'll beat us. Those calls for Michael Appleton's head that you were talking about, were those kind of the majority or was it a minority? Because I imagine there were some fans maybe thinking, well, if you think about the huge strides the club had taken over five years, it might have been inevitable that at some point there needed to be a bit of a rebuild and that would take time. There's a bit of understanding. And there's probably a portion of the fans who just think, well, we were in the playoffs last season. That's our level. And that's where we should be. So was it was it the majority of fans asking for his head, or was it a bit I, of a I think split? It, I think it was split, Chris. I do. I, I think a few there were a few murmurings, uh, and I think as fans, I think people start listening and looking at opinions, and I think that a lot of people jumped on that. You know, then the minority that were saying certain things, and then the results kind of were making the minority look right, look correct in what they were saying. So I think it just gathered a little bit of momentum. Uh, but they they had a couple of good wins. They they won at beat Morecambe at home just, and I think that kind of just dispersed a few murmurings. And I, I, that was a big game for Lincoln, uh, Morecambe at home, who were obviously very close to us at the time. Uh, and then they had a couple of little slip ups, and then they beat Sheffield Wednesday at home uh, and beat them three one and quite comfortably. And that's the Lincoln City that hopefully will turn up on Saturday. But you know he's been on a slippery slope. But I think they they pulled out results at the right time. But I think it was a split. I think the, the fans were split between Michael Appleton out and Michael Appleton in. So, yeah. you know, I, th I think he's turned a little bit of a corner because there's that eight-point gap that we've got. But it only takes two or three more defeats and the teams below them to start picking up points. Yeah. And we're back in that situation again. That's it. I was, you know, 18th in the table, as you said, eight points above the drop. And I was looking actually back through the months through the season. And they've, they've basically sat between kind of 14th and 18th and 19th. They've been in that area of the table all season. I mean, has it just been a case of they keep getting the odd result to keep them in that That's... area of the table? But they just can't get a run of results going. I mean, but with that inconsistency, is that 
an unsettled side or an unsettled system or is is there a is there a reason behind the inconsistency? We've had a lot of injuries. I know every team can have a lot of injuries, but we have had injuries to key people. We've not had a settled back four or back three as they're playing now. But, you know, I mean, Michael Anderson's had to cope with a lot of difficulties with injuries, certainly to the centre-halves. I mean, literally, Lincoln have only kept three clean sheets all season. So that tells you where the issues lie. Yeah, we're not, we don't score. We're not going to go and score five goals in a game. That That's not quite how... Lincoln play, but we always seem to concede goals at bad times in games, and then that puts you in a back foot. And at home, we try and play this expansive game, and if the players aren't quite at it, you know, there's a couple of young players in there, and if it doesn't quite work out for them, you can just see them, the confidence shrink a little bit, they get a little bit unsure of themselves. And at this level, if you're playing against a good team, you're going to get hurt. And, and I think that's what's happened occasionally, uh, certainly at home. We get big crowds. I think we're the highest capacity in terms of. I think we, I think Central Bank holds about ten thousand, ten and a half thousand, and we constantly get eight, eight and a half thousand people there. And I think we're top of League One in terms of you know capacity of ground to actually fans coming in. I think it's eighty four percent or something that the grounds filled up for every home game, and it'll be a sellout again on Saturday. So I just think there's a nervousness about the team, a brittleness about the team that if things don't quite go right. And they can't play this expansive game and they, they, they cough the ball up in their own half. I think it just it, you can see the, the confidence seep out of them and then it becomes a struggle in a game. And I've seen that quite a lot at home. Yeah, well, I, I think Michael Appen tried to do something about it in January in terms of players coming to the club in that window. From what I saw, the biggest two seemed to be John Marcus from, from Portsmouth, who's a big signing, um, and Liam Cullen um, came on loan from, from Swansea City. So, so how have they both settled in since January? Uh, Liam Cullen's struggled for me. He's had a couple of starts and not really impressed. He hasn't really imposed himself on on the on a game or in the side. Uh, John Marquis is a good signing, a good player. Uh, I think he scored three and three when he first started. Uh, but his work rate uh, is great. He's a, a fox in the box, if you like. He'll score goals, but they're all being the six yard box. Uh, so he he's done okay. Uh, he's only on a short term contract, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer with him. Uh, but certainly Liam Cullen's been a little bit disappointing for me. Uh, I expected a little bit more from him. But yeah, it, it, those two have come in. Definitely John Marcus has been the better signing of the two. Uh, Liam Cullen, yeah, just not sure about him at the moment. Yeah. Well, it was also in, in January when Lincoln came up to the Stadium of Light. I did think twice about mentioning it, but I suppose I, I have to really. I was going to mention um... it, trust me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I did the game as well. I was up doing the punditry on the game. So I was definitely going to mention it, Chris. Yeah, it was it was an interesting one. Three one winners. Uh, Chris Maguire hat trick. Who made it? Uh, I think he made it pretty clear to Lee Johnson that he was pretty pleased with scoring his uh, hat trick on the day. He obviously had a great day, you know, getting that hat trick. But uh, has he had a good season with Lincoln uh, so far? I think Chris Maguire's performances sum up Lincoln City. Very very inconsistent. That was clearly his best game by a long way. Interesting he wasn't involved on Tuesday night because he's one booking away from being suspended. <laughs> so you know what's happening on Saturday. Uh, yep. so he will definitely, definitely be involved. Uh, and I'm sure he will be doing whatever he can to A, upset you lot and B, score as many <laughs> goals as he can. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great night. That's probably the best performance I've seen from them. They sat in, they make it very awkward for you up there uh, and just got you on the counter-attack. We scored a couple of great goals. Uh, yeah, and Chris McGuire was just, I wouldn't say he was unplayable, would probably be a, a bit of an overstatement, but he's certainly, 
you know, he caused you a lot of problems and wanted to definitely prove a point. Uh, now, it'll be interesting to see on Saturday because obviously Lee's not there now. Lee Johnson's not there anymore. But I'm sure he'll be upsetting one or two, should we say. Yeah, yeah. He was exactly the same at Sunderland, to be fair. He was uh, on his day. You would think, why is he not played at a higher level? And then you'd see him the next week and you'd think, oh, OK, that, that's why he that's hasn't the played reason. at a higher level. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, how he's so. been, Chris. Exactly the same as us. You know, he can have really good... Spells in games, he can he can influence games. He, he you know he wants to upset people. He, you know he he has that about him. He's got that devilment inside him, which I quite like. But we haven't quite seen enough of him, you know, in games and, and influencing games. Certainly, that you know at the stadium light, he was exceptional. But the rest of it, he's been certainly in the last couple of months. He's not quite been as as influential as I would like him to be. Yeah, yeah, and on the subject of uh, former Sunderland players, uh, Liam Bridcut is at Lincoln. So, how has his time at Lincoln gone? When he plays, he's he's great, Chris. When he plays, he's he's a really good player. But he's always injured. He's always injured. Mm. It'd be interesting again in the summer what we're going to do with him because he's he's only played a handful of games this season. He keeps getting injured. Uh, I don't know if he'll be back before the end of the season. Uh, a very frustrating season for him. Certainly, you know, as a holding midfield player, you know, he he's competitive. You know, he can pass it, uh, he can upset people, you know, he's, he's strong. He's, he's been great as a, as a shield for the back four, but we've missed him. But, you know, if, you, if you're not playing games, you'll be on a decent salary, then surely that has to be looked at. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, between the two sides, it's been pretty even uh, since kind of, well, we met back up in 2019 after I think it was about 20 years of not playing each other. Uh, and if I include the playoff games but ignore the Papa John's trophy, both teams have won three times and then one game has ended up in a draw. And you've mentioned that there's this kind of positivity at home where Michael Appleton kind of pushes them up the pitch and they, they, they like kind of being on the, the front foot. But um, I was actually looking at Lincoln's home form and they've lost 10 out of 19. They've only won five. And actually, they've they've got three points more on the road, but they've played a game less uh, away yeah. from home this season. So, I mean, is Michael Appleton just kind of, he just won't change that style of play at home? Will he not want to be a bit more conservative and maybe keep it more tight at the back, especially this weekend? Because, you know, we've bagged a few goals in the past, although they've dried up recently. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean you're unbeaten in five, aren't you? So you're kind mm-hmm. of on a decent run and not conceding goals. So it'll be interesting to see how Michael Apperton sets up. I mean, he's been playing the 3-5-2. He's been playing Marquis and Tom Hopper. Uh, Tom Hopper's just come back from uh, injury. Obviously, the lad that scored at the stadium light to get, put us through to the playoff final. I thought I mentioned that. Uh, and then <laughs> and he, he, he's been he's been missed because he will he's a, a willing runner. He will go in behind. So I've seen a couple of times now where they've Lincoln have gone a little bit longer. You know, in terms of their passing, uh, they scored a great goal with a long pass to Tom Hopper in the channel for, against Sheffield Wednesday. So I, I think. It'll be interesting to see with the two up top whether he, he still wants to play this expansive game in the defensive third to play out from the back or whether he just goes slightly longer. Now, he's a man of principle, you can tell that, and he does want to play out from the back. You know, you know, if Cohen Bramwell, the left back, is taking a, a throw in, I know Brooke Norton Coffey, he's, he'll literally be 60 yards the other side. So they, there is massive gaps in between a defensive unit when we're in our own half. So it'll be interesting to see how he sets up. But he wants to play positive. He wants to play between the lines. He wants to get his midfielders on the ball. Luis Farini is, is on loan from Manchester City. Very a good technician. Can score a goal. But sometimes when it doesn't work, he goes out of the game uh, and becomes almost lightweight because 
physically he can't really cope. Like with Rotherham, the first half, the game went past him. He couldn't get into the game. The second half, when Rotherham dropped off, all of a sudden he becomes a different player. So it'll be interesting to see how Michael Appleton sets up against you on Saturday and what formation he plays. He seems to have settled with his three at the back. But again, it'll be injuries. You know, we're always somebody's always getting injured. Uh, I don't know if Regan Paul, who's been very good for us at the back, is going to come back into that back three. It'll be interesting to see how he sets up, Chris, Saturday against you. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, if he's done his homework, he'll probably see that we've actually struggled against teams that have played with three at the back and with wing backs this season. I suppose a lot might depend on the, the mentality of the side because I was looking at the results in the games this month, which I think you've mentioned a few of them. It's been alternating between winning and losing for, for Lincoln, you know, win, loss, win, loss. But it's been a tough run of games. Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich and Rotherham in that run of um, the last four. And I, I was looking at that Rotherham game that you've mentioned, that they lost 2-1. Lincoln had almost as many shots on goal and they had 60% of the possession away from home at the kind of league leaders. So are they going into Saturday with quite a bit of confidence, even though they, they got beat last time out? Definitely. The second half, they were fantastic. They were absolutely fantastic and really took the game to Rotherham. They got... Basically, put it bluntly, they got beaten up in the first half. Rotherham were very direct. Their intensity, Rotherham's intensity to win the ball back, to put Lincoln under pressure. They just couldn't deal with it. They couldn't deal with Michael Smith. The centre-half struggled against Michael Smith. And then the runners down the side, they just struggled. They couldn't get out. They couldn't pass the ball. They just, they all, like I said to you, they, they, they're, they're a little bit brittle sometimes, Lincoln. And they will go, you know, they, they go into themselves a little bit and they get a bit doubtful of what they're trying to do and how they're going to do it. And Rotherham just steamrolled them. And Rotherham could have been four or five nil up at half time. But Lincoln were in the game. They tweaked a few things and all of a sudden their intensity went up. They were able to pass the ball better, hence why the possession stats went through the roof. Created one or two chances. And if it wasn't for Josh Vickers saving the last minute from Liam Cullen, Lincoln probably would have got a deserved draw when at half time you're thinking, well, if we come away with a, a three or four nil, we've done all right. But you know, so that's how difference. That just sums up the season for me for Lincoln City. The two halves of football against Rotherham sum up Lincoln City season. Mm. Really inept, can't can't get out of their own half. Passing was terrible. They, they didn't look like could run. They couldn't compete physically. They had nothing about them and just got steamrolled. And the second half, completely different. Absolutely, completely different. So, for me. I keep saying it, it's which Lincoln City side decides to turn up and whether they turn up for 90, 95 minutes against you as to whether you're going to get a tough game. Yeah, but there's a lot of, pretty much for me, that sums up League One as well. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right there. There's a bunch of sides in that mid-table area, you know, at either end, where on their day, you think yeah, that's a tough game. And sometimes you go there and it's, it goes your way and you just kind of steamroller them. But some days it's it's tough at those kind of mid-table sides. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of Saturday, I mean, obviously I'm going to put my mortgage on Chris Maguire scoring, but uh, is, <laughs> yeah. is, is there anyone else uh, worth sticking a, a quid on to, to get a goal for Lincoln? John Marquis, uh, I mean, if we can get down the sides of you, as in Cohen Bramwell, who's very, very quick on the left-hand side, and we've got a fabulous young player from Arsenal, Brooke Norton Cuffey, who's an 18-year-old lad, again, who looks like he's going to sign a long-term contract at Arsenal. He's definitely one to watch. He's the right wing-back. Very quick. Both are very adventurous. Defensively, not bad either. But if you give them open space to run into, they will. Uh, and they will hurt you. Cohen Bramwell set up Tom Hopper. On Tuesday night for the for Lincoln's goal, running in behind, and he did that two or three times, and run and could have had a couple more assists if 
if people have caught him up because he's that quick. So, yeah, if we can get down the sides of you and in around the back of you, you could be in problem. And I would put money on maybe John Marcus getting a tap in from six yards out. Anthony Scully's the leading goal scorer, but he's been out of favour recently. His form's dipped. Uh, didn't do a great deal on Tuesday night uh, when he came back into the side. So uh, I expect Chris Maguire probably to come in for him. Uh, but certainly, if we can get around the back of you and we can play through the lines and, and, and get Maguire on the ball and feeding Cohen Bramwell and getting Norton Coffee down on the, on the outsides, you could be in a bit of trouble. So if you were if you were Alex Neal, is that what you'd be worried about? You'd be worried about Lincoln's right-hand side? Is that where the main threat's going to come from? At the right-hand side and left-hand side. Probably more so... Cohen Bramwell, because of his pace, and he will want, run in, want to run in behind you. Uh, Brooke Norton Coffee's slightly different because he will pick the ball up deeper, but he will run with it. So he will take players on, whereas Cohen Bramwell's just a speed merchant, and he will just just fly and, and just wait for the ball to go in behind you. So two your, your wing-backs or your full-backs are going to have two different you know, different kind of challenges to face up against. Uh, so, yeah, the... the down the flanks is going to be an interesting battle and it depends where Chris Maguire, and I'm sure he will start, will play. Whether he'll play in a little hole or he'll play in a three as a midfield, it's going to be interesting to see where, where Michael Appleton will put him. Yeah. I mean, in terms of just generally for the remainder of the season, are Lincoln kind of already got one eye on next season and planning ahead or are they still kind of nervously looking over their shoulder about getting dragged back in? Yeah, I think... Still a little bit nervous because of the performances are that erratic that that you know you only need three or four poor performances, and the other t- thankfully the other other teams the you know the teams below Lincoln aren't aren't winning games. I think I, I worked it out that Fleetwood haven't won in eleven, AFC Wimbledon haven't won in eighteen games. So the teams below them are really struggling to pick up points. But as we all know in football, that run has to come to an end, and all of a sudden they might start winning games. So that eight point difference can soon disappear. If Lincoln don't pick up points, and we've got Sunderland obviously Saturday with yourselves, and then we play away at Shrewsbury. Uh, Shrewsbury have beat Morecambe five nil on Tuesday night, so we've got still got two tough games coming up, you know. And if teams below start picking points up, which I think Gillingham under Neil Harris might well do, yeah. we're still looking over our shoulder a little bit. Two more wins for Lincoln sees us safe, I think, but. You know, we lose Saturday, lose on Tuesday again to Shrewsbury. We're in a bit of trouble again, I think. Yeah, Shrewsbury only a, only a place ahead and only a point ahead as well. So that's going to be a big yeah, one It is in, in midweek. Yeah. So are, are you confident that um, Lincoln are going to stick by Michael Appleton and he'll, he'll be still there for in charge for next season? I think so. Uh, I, I think, like I say, that they've done enough maybe to hopefully secure a League One status. Uh, I'm sure they will. It'd be interesting in the summer. I think the recruitment becomes paramount. Uh, we can't have recruitment that's been on a par as it has this season because we, I think we might struggle. So his recruitment in the summer is going to be really, really important, Michael Appleton. I think they will stick with him for another season. But like I say, you know, it hasn't quite gone as he has planned, I think, with the players he got in, on certainly on loan. Morgan Whittaker has been a little bit disappointing on loan from Swansea. Uh, the only person that's really on loan that's, that's caught, you know, has caught the eyes is, like I say, Brooke Norton Coffee, the, the right wing back, the right back from Arsenal, a young lad. So, you know, he's a success story. The others haven't quite been as good as we thought they were going to be. Uh, yeah, I think another season under Michael Appleton, but recruitment in the summer is going to be massive for him. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, just on Saturday, are you covering the game? Are you going to be there? I'm not. I'm not covering. I'm a guest for the former players' association on on Saturday, so I will be at the game. Mm. But yeah, I, I don't often get to the game as a former player because obviously I'm I'm on the radio. But 
No, I'm, I'm picked that game because it's a big game. Got some good memories against Sunderland, and obviously the playoff final, uh, the playoff semi-finals last year that, that I, I watched and did a little bit of coverage on, uh, and also you know I did the Stadium of Light uh, when we we beat you three one. So yeah, so I, I like coming to watch you lot play because it's a big, it's going to be a big following, it's going to be a big crowd, it's going to be a good big atmosphere. So yeah, you pick your games as they say. Well, yeah, I was going to I was going to ask that. I mean, from from what I'm hearing you saying, you've said it a couple of times that it's a sellout. I mean. Does it have a the feel of a big game amongst the the Lincoln fans? Is it one they're looking forward to? Yeah, I think so. Just because Sunderland is a big club, isn't it? You know, you, you know that your fans will know that it's a big club, and it, it's tough to remember we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're just struggling to get out of League One. So you know, it's the big boys coming into town, isn't it? So it's it's yeah, it'll be it'll be a sellout. Uh, it'll be really noisy. You know that the atmosphere at Central Bank is normally really good, depending on how the side plays. As, as most you know, every fan is, is you know you want your side to play well so I think yeah I think it'll be a great atmosphere I'm hoping for a really good game and obviously as a Lincoln fan I'm hoping for the same result as hopefully we'll beat you as we did at the Stadium of Light I, I think it'll be a tight game I think it'll be a tight game but like I say I just hope Lincoln City turn up and give you a game well it's, it's funny you know you're talking about Saturday and you, you've said you're worried about what Lincoln turn up and if you ask me I'm worried about what Sunday <laughs> they're going to turn up so it's back it, It'll be nil-nil, be new, new, Chris. It'll be a boring game. No, I don't think it will be. I think there'll be some no. excitement. And I think, like I say, I'm hoping for a good game because both teams need points for different reasons. So there's a bit of nervousness there. But people, have, you know, both teams have to be on the front foot and go and win the game, don't they? Yeah, and with Chris McGuire involved, you know it's not going to be a, it's all, a boring there's, 90 minutes. No, there's always... <laughs> you just imagine, he, he will score in front of you lot and he, he will... He will give it a little bit, I'm sure. He won't be able to contain himself. I know after the hat-trick goal, he kind of <laughs> played it down, but but his initial reaction for the first one against Lee Johnson, I mean, I, I loved it. Yeah. You lot hated it, of course, but I just thought that was... It was borderline being a little bit out of order, but, you know, obviously there's a lot of feeling there between him and himself and Lee Johnson. But, yeah, we'll see if he scores on Saturday what happens. Yeah, well, I'm going straight off to, to check the odds on him scoring straight after this. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll see see how much I can afford to stick on him. But uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoy your afternoon on Saturday. Hope it's a good game. Uh, and I hope you lot don't. But there you go. I'm sure I'll get some <laughs> stick for that. But no, I hope, hopefully it's a good game. And hopefully everybody gets down safely from Sunderland and gets back safely. So yeah, looking forward to that's a good it. game. And like I say, safe travels to everybody that's coming down. Yeah, it's a great fan zone there as well. You, you know, there's lots to eat bars you know it's, it's a really good place at Central Bank to, to get involved so yeah whether they'll allow that or not I don't know it depends on obviously what the police want to do with segregation and everything but no it's, it's, a, it's a good well, place to watch football that's it with our numbers coming down I just hope they stock up I just hope they've got enough behind the bars to, <laughs> to cope to be honest but yeah. uh, brilliant okay well I just want to say thank you very much Mark it's been an absolute pleasure and I've loved yeah, having the chance well. to speak about someone's playing career absolutely fantastic and fascinating and uh, all the best for the season ahead yeah thanks Chris yeah and good luck to you lot I uh, hope you get promoted uh, but you don't win Saturday we need the points more than you do <laughs> Apparently, well, I'll, 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 I'll take a, de- I'll take a defeat if it means we we'll go up in the end. But we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll there see. you go. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Chris. Thanks again, Mark, and uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, keep a look out, Rocker Report, for all the build-up ahead of the game against Lincoln on Saturday, and keep an eye on all the usual places for the next podcast that should be dropping very soon after. Uh, but from us, it's bye for now.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.